Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to a man who just happens to be the number one barbecue pitmaster in all of New Zealand. family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. In today's episode, we're talking to Brendan Reismer, the captain of the Smoking Meat House, which is New Zealand's number one barbecue team. So that's going to be really interesting. The other thing that I need to tell you straight up is I do have, I've woken up with a bit of a cold today. So I'm a bit hoarse, I'm a bit scratchy. We're going to be doing four uh, podcast episodes today. So I don't know how I'm going to be going by the end of the day, but I'm so far so good for this episode. Uh, All right. Now the announcements that I need to let you know. First up, we want to say a big thank you to our podcast partner, Jagged Woodfired, for coming on board and helping us out today. So if you're in the market for a new smoker, do check them out, jaggedwoodfired.com.au. They've got a whole range of different smokers. They're very uniquely designed, and they are proven grand champion winning smokers. So uh, Jules and Glenn, who are the husband and wife team behind that, they've actually used those smokers to cook all the way to the top of the points ladder. They've represented Australia over at the World's Barbecue Championships over in Houston, and I think they finished around in the top 50, which is pretty amazing. Uh, So their smokers have a proven track record. And uh, Julianne, you'll remember she was on the show just a couple of weeks ago herself because she was recently awarded the number one KCBS pitmaster of the year for brisket, uh, which was an incredible achievement and all done on those jagged wood-fired smokers. So do give them a check out. Do give them a check out. Do check them out. (laughs) I'm on fire already today. And uh, yeah, great people and great smokers. Next up, winter is coming. That's my original line. I just thought of that all by myself just right now. And so you need to grab yourself some Smoking Hot Confessions hoodies and beanies. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop. They're beautiful. They're nice and thick and fluffy and soft and do all those wonderful things that nice warm clothes are supposed to do. And uh, they're just really good gear. Um, they are printed and stitched here in Australia. So the uh, you're supporting many local businesses if you do decide to grab one of them, which is great stuff. Next up, Barbicon is coming. We are bringing you the world's first virtual barbecue conference. It's going to be super cool using the the uh, magicness that we use to do the show here. We're going to be jumping all around the country into the backyards of different pitmasters, different business owners, different builders, all that sort of stuff. And we're going to be sharing their knowledge with you into uh, your lounge rooms. So the Saturday is going to be all about cooking barbecue. We're going to be traveling around the country virtually and learning how to cook all sorts of different things from different championship winning pitmasters. And then on the Sunday, we're going to be sharing all the business wisdom. So if you're looking at getting into barbecue business or you're already in barbecue business, you're really going to want to check that out too. That's coming up on June 26 and 27. So do keep that weekend free. Now, if you are just at the start of your barbecue journey, first of all, congratulations, you're going to have a really good time. But we do have something free and awesome for you available over on smokinghotconfessions.com. It is the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. It's a little mini ebook. It's totally free and it's got everything that you need to know to get started on the right foot in the world of low and slow barbecue smoking. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com, have a click around, a pop-up window is going to appear. Just put your details into that and we'll shoot that straight out to you. Now, if you are joining us live, and I can see that we do have quite a few uh, live people with us on the call, on the call, on the recording here today, we do that in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook. It's our Facebook group, and it is the friendliest place on the internet. So we just hang out. We all talk about barbecue. 
all the guff is left at the door and it's just nice people hanging out talking barbecue. And if you did want to be a part of these live recordings, you can go join that group. And in that group is where we do the live recording. So you're able to leave comments, leave questions for our guests, and I can put them to the guests live during the episode. So head on over to Facebook. That's the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Community. We'll see you soon. Now, if you're watching this back on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, and hit that little notification bell. If you're watching it on Facebook, give us a like, a share, and a comment, and make sure you're following us as well. If it's on IGTV, give us one of those cute little love hearts. We love them so much. And of course, give us a follow. And lastly, if you're listening on a podcasting app, a five-star rating review really helps us out. Super important, pushes us up the charts. And in the last 30 days, we have been as high as number six on the US podcast charts for food, which for a little barbecue podcast out of Australia is kind of a big deal. It's, it, it's pretty cool. We're, we're very proud of it. Okay, so back to today's episode. Brendan Reismer, captain of the Smoking Meat House, New Zealand's number one barbecue team. Today, we're going to find out how they got to the top of the ladder in just three years, and they have more sponsors than an NRL football team. So we're going to get that story. We're going to find out um, how Brendan's achieved that, the steps that he's taken, and it's going to be a really fascinating episode. So I think that is probably all you need to hear from me about it. Let's get Brendan in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Brendan, how are you, mate? Welcome to the confessional. I'm good. Thanks for having us. Anytime, my friend. It's uh, it, it's great that we can do this from uh, from different countries and all this sort of stuff. It's really cool. So tell me, mate, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Uh, I probably could not also remember. I had a couple of uh, smash burgers for lunch uh, just before, so with, uh, from some brisket trim and that. So if that if that counts, that that was it. That definitely counts. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I've always sort of been a bit curious about these um, smash burgers. I've I've had a couple myself that um, that other people have cooked for me, and I've enjoyed them. I don't sort of see the. Um, like how how are they different to the old sort of uh, you know takeaway shop style burgers where they just sort of smash them down with a spatula everyone's sort of going crazy about smash burgers and i i sort of feel like they've been around for a while what do you think yeah they probably have um i think it's just uh, the quality of the meat that we're using i think it's the um you know the brisket trim uh, especially if you're using a you know good carrara you know nine plus uh barbell score um you know brisket trim i mean it's pretty tasty stuff yeah that'll do it for sure <laughs> yeah all you need is a bit of cheese, a bit of pickle, a bit of mustard and a bun. It's pretty simple, but it's so good. Yeah, nice, man. Beautiful stuff. Now, of all the different barbecues that you've got, and I'm sure that you're like me, you've probably got half a dozen or a dozen sitting in your yard at home. What's your favorite one? What's your go-to when you're cooking at home? I'd say they have to be the, the char grill up acorn. Um, it's just so so versatile to use. I mean, the kids love cooking pizzas um, just directly on the deflector stone. Um, you can put the you can put the main grill back in, uh, do steaks, and it's got that second layer as well. So if you're cooking up, you know, quite a bit for a lot of people, um, it's good having the two layers there too. Um, it's such a you know such a cheap unit to run. You can sort of pretty much run them on a on a handful of um, charcoal, and yeah, away you go. They're pretty indestructible, really. They get a few dents in them here and there, and um, you can buy each piece individually as well. So if you do lose a wheel or you know lose a couple of screws, you can just hip hop into your bunnings and and um, order them up. Yeah, spare parts are always important. Now, for, for those that aren't familiar, that's kind of like a, a almost like a mini uh, mini Kamado style 
uh, barbecue, isn't it? But it's not actually made of ceramic, is it? I, I, I thought it was uh, like a uh, insulated metal shell. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. They do a ceramic one as well. Uh, but the, I think the advantage on with the metal one, it obviously keeps the cost down quite a bit. So it's quite, a, you know, it's quite an affordable unit. Um, and also, you know, if, if something does dent it, it's not going to crack and you're going to have to replace a, a fairly expensive um, ceramic uh, unit. Yeah, that is true. Once those ceramic ones get cracked, they're kind of done, aren't they? Certainly are. I haven't broken one yet, but um, yeah, I'm sure it's in the pipeline. Yeah. So what's your, um, your favourite uh, thing to barbecue? I would say it'd have to be chicken. I just like chicken straight over the coals. Um, split the chicken in half, spatchcock it, just straight over the coals, get all those juices running down on the coals, get that vaporisation happening and yeah, nice and crispy skin, nice and quick to do. You sort of had a busy day at work, you can come home, fire a chicken on the barbie and yeah, it's all good. Yes, that, that, there's nothing quite like that uh, delicious charcoal chicken, is there? Sure. And so what, how do you like to, to sort of season that up? Do you have a particular marinade or spice rub that you like to put on them? Um, I mean, obviously, um, we're, we're um, helped out quite a bit by Heavenly Hell, so, um, you know, can't uh, go past of the course. rock and roll rooster. So, yeah, just got a jacquard, jacquard the skin, bit of rock and roll rooster on it, and um, very tasty chicken. What does, um, what does jacquarding the skin do on a, on a spatchcocked chicken? I think it just allows that fat to sort of just run down, and uh, I think it just allows the, a bit more heat to get into the skin and just crisp it up a bit, I think. so. Uh, we can use a fork if you haven't got a jacquard. So yeah, I think it just sort of helps with that bite through too. If you if you do bite it and you haven't quite cooked the skin, it lets you lets the teeth sort of sink into the perforation. Yeah, right. I'm going to give that a crack next time and uh, and and see how it turns out for me. Yeah, sure. So tell me, mate, how did you get into barbecue? Um, basically, we were the gas was on its last legs. And um, I think I came across the New Zealand Barbecue Alliance Facebook page and we saw all these smokers and, you know, thought it looked quite interesting. So uh, we just went along to the to the Naked 10 and got a couple of those stainless steel smoking boxes. So we sort of filled them up with um, wood chunks uh, and sort of placed them on top of the, of the gas burner to get them to catch fire to add a bit of smoke flavour to the, to the meat. So started off there and we sort of quite like that and then it just sort of eventually evolved to a uh, just a cheap offset from a um, one of those one day deals they do on the internet uh, so we got a cheap one of those 160 bucks um, so you use like a you know a, a 20 kilo you know box of charcoal you know just to cook one brisket with yeah you know, the ones so um, after a few you know 14 hour cooks we thought oh there's got to be something a bit better around so we went looking for a New Zealand made pit and stumbled across Jared McDonald and Octo Pit. Oh nice. And, yeah. So yeah, sort of all went downhill from there really. So uh. <laughs> so um no it's really good having them based in Hamilton and we've sort of just recently been involved with their new multi queue um which is which has been you know a, a great unit to have been involved with. Um it's basically a it's like a giant um weaver go anywhere basically. Um, it's, it's a direct, it, it basically takes the same surface area as two drums. So you've got quite a, quite a large cooking area. You're cooking direct over a, over a charcoal basket. Um, and you've got a, a full deflectors and half deflectors. So you can sort of, depending on how you configure it, you can have it almost running as a, as a direct offset smoker. 
you wanted to. So it's got the two air intakes, two exhausts. So you can alter alter each one to get the flow and you know the desired result, really. Oh wow. So you'll, you'll have to look them up. Yeah. Now, it's quite hard to explain without having, you know, without sort of looking at it. So so uh, you just look them up on Facebook off those pit NZ and you'll yep. you'll see plenty of plenty of pictures of them there. Yeah, well that sounds fascinating. It it sounds like you could use it um like as a as a bullet style smoker in in principle with the fire source on the bottom and then the food higher up. Yep. It sounds like you could use it yep. like a um is it the St. Louis fish tank smokers where they have the uh the 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 big rectangular fire pit across the bottom and then a whole hog sitting in like a glass container on top? Um just, just that sort of principle. Uh whole hog smoker. It sounds fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, well we actually uh had a had a a competition cancelled recently and that was a whole a part of it was a whole hog uh as an SCA category. So Jared actually made a giant multi-cube put a whole hog on. So yeah we, we sort of copped on that a few weeks back um up at Matt Lannigan's place. Um and that was just yeah that was just just, just mind blowing. So I think we only used two two twenty kilo bags of um charcoal, lump charcoal with that. So you know to cook a whole hog it's pretty uh, pretty efficient. A really efficient, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah. Super cool. Um, okay, now from the um from the socials, you and you did mention the um the little uh char griller acorn before. I've noticed that you seem to have like almost like a little collection of of Kamados. I've seen um lo- lots of your different photos cooking all sorts of different stuff on, on all sorts of different ones. Why why do you like that Kamado style of barbecue so much? Oh, it's just easy to use. You know, you sort of come home from work. You know, put half a half a chimney of lit charcoal into the bottom of it, and you know, cook up an evening meal. It's just uh, pretty, pretty quick and easy to use. Nice, and it just makes nice. you all efficient too. You know, when you finish with it, you can just shut it down and and use the leftover charcoal for the next one. So, really easy to use. Yeah, that is a great uh, sort of money saving feature of them, isn't it? Certainly is. Yeah, and you got the junior acorn as well, which is a smaller uh, mini type. Um, char griller acorn. So you're just, you know, doing a, a chicken or steaks or whatever. That's um, that's perfect. Yeah. Not even less peeled. So yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do all sorts of different kind of cooking on them. You can roast. You can grill. You can do low and slow. You can do rotisseries. What's your your favourite way to cook on those Kamado style cookers? Um, I like doing the two zoning. So you can sort of reverse your steaks. Love love doing steaks and tri tips and and that's uh, that on them. So we sort of push all the coals to one side so you can just, you know, get the get the, you know, crust nice and golden and, and how you want it and then just sort of move it over to like a cool zone if you like. Um just to sort of bring bring up the tent and just sort of render all that um render all that fatty goodness. And you can keep keep the lid down on it too, which is just, just makes it even more efficient. So all that heat is not getting wasted. Yeah, that's that's super cool stuff. Now you you mentioned tri tip there before. It's really hard for me to get tri tip here on the Gold Coast. Is it is it something that that comes uh, sort of easily to you over in Hastings there, or do you have to sort of hunt around for it? Um, I mean, we're lucky to be looked after by uh, Jeff Putt, Barbecue Butcher. So he he imports um, Carrara and Ebony. Actually, uh, not far. Uh, Kil- I mean, Kilco are basically based in Brisbane. So um, I'm, I'm sure. Probably make a few calls and send you a message. I'm sure there's some um, stockers of Carrara and everything not too far from where you are. So, there'd uh, have to be if they're just in, in, in Kilcoy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, 
Fantastic stuff. And how do you like to to cook the tri-tip? Are you a, a, a reverse searer? Do you prefer to do them direct? Do you, uh, you know, slice them down the middle and turn them inside out like a picanha? How, how's your preferred way of, of doing the tri-tip? Yeah, I, I like reverse searing it. It just gives it that extra bit of time just to, just to render all that fat and then you just get it over that searing searing coals to get that nice, nice crust on it and just slices up beautifully and it's just it's just the definition of beef butter um that Carrara Carrara product it's just yeah yeah just as soon as you taste it it's just yeah now you know what they mean by that, that beef butter um term that they use. Yeah I like that beef butter yeah are you a um a, a Dalmatian rub guy just salt and pepper or do you have a a particular sort of flavoured, uh, a particular preferred profile that you go with for those beef tri-tips? Yeah, I mean, we just prefer the, the Heavenly Hell, the Bronco Lane, um, which is just a great general purpose, you know, rub, just great. Yeah, it is good stuff. I've got some of it here in the cupboard. It's yeah, really good. Yeah. Oh, you'll love the new one that's coming out for Anzac Day. We've got a, we've been working with Trevor from Aussie Pit Boys. And Michael just been throwing some ideas around, and we've got a, a digger's dust coming out for Anzac Day, so um, that, that's really good. It's got those got those traditional beef uh, flavours of a big umami hit with some porcini mushrooms, uh, some Worcester Stockshire powder, and it's got a nice little red wine vinegar powder, uh, just that hit afterwards. So um, that's really tasty. So I think oh, there's beautiful. a couple of little mods, a couple of little mods to do to that, and then it'll be be released. Uh, yeah, I saw the artwork um, for that uh, for the labeling get get published the other day. It looks awesome, I, and I didn't realize that that you guys had been a part of that. Tell us about how that how that partnership came together. Oh, basically, when Trevor started coming over to uh, New Zealand uh, twenty seventeen, um, basically sort of came over and he was needing a couple of pairs of hands. So uh, Shane and myself got selected to give Trevor a hand, and Trevor Trevor obviously bought the the Heavenly Hell range with them and and yeah, I sort of hadn't tasted anything like it before. So when we sort of set up our own team, um, we sort of we hit up Michael and I think he sort of reluctantly sort of said okay. But um yeah, I mean yeah, once we sort of started giving, you know, getting some great great results and that, um I don't think we sort of minded too much. Um but yeah it's just sort of developed from there and I mean he's been developing his products as well. Um, you know, just the grinds and just little bits and pieces that he adds and it's just such a great, um, great flavor range. I think they really, you know, really suit the meats that we use, and you know, they're just just, uh, just those good traditional, you know, Kiwi and Aussie flavors. But they've just got that little bit of extra sort of heavenly hell magic that he that he, that he adds to them. He's a bit of a bit of a magician so down in Corumbin there, which is uh, not too far from you. He's incredible. Yeah, I've I've actually been down to uh, to, to Heavenly Hell HQ there a couple of times, and he's his uh, oh, yeah, his spot yeah. is is right on the right on one of the waterways. It's just it's so nice. Yeah, you just well, hang out there, have a have a cold beer, talk about barbecue with one of the best in the game. It's uh it's 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 something yeah. pretty special. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now all this all this talk about steak and tri tip and all that sort of stuff. You've actually started delivering some uh, steak masterclasses. Now I've I've seen a lot of people doing sort of low and slow uh, masterclasses. Tell us about your steak masterclasses. Yeah, I, I think steak's just uh, one of those things that uh, you know that, that everybody can cook basically. So um, there's lots of ways of doing it. So we just sort of show people you know what are the easiest ways to do it. Um, also how to select. You know the the right ribeye as well too. Um, I mean it's going to be the same price per kilo if you get one end from the chucking 
and from the flanking. So we sort of try and show people what, you know, what sort of stakes to actually buy in the supermarket that gives you a good bang for buck as well. Um, I mean, there's nothing worse than trying to, you know, cook up a, uh, you know, a dodgy bit of ribeye and that. So, you know, if you know what you're looking for, um, you know, you're getting your best, you know, best value for money. Um, and we're also doing some, you know, barbecue classes through the, you know, the late autumn and, and winter and that as well too. So uh, we'll be covering, you know, all aspects of, of, of barbecue, you know, the pork and the chicken and, and brisket and that as well too, you know, all aspects of the, of the, of the competition, you know, proteins as well. Yeah, so which which end do you recommend to people to get their ribeye from, from the chuck end or from the, the flank end? Oh, definitely the chuck end. You look for the, look for the big spinalis. Um, which is sort of that um, that wraparound muscle that sort of goes around the the, the top of the um, top of the ribeye. So uh, just look for the the most pronounced three three muscle groups basically. So it's, um, there's a few photos up on our um, on our Facebook page. So yeah, if anybody wants to, to look them up there, there's even, I think we've got a video on there too. Uh, we cut up a whole ribeye, um, so it shows right from the chuck end right to the flank end, and it shows you how the how the ribeye you know develops and how the muscle sort of you know, slowly tapers out, or the banana slowly tapers out as it sort of gets towards that flanking. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, how how successful have you found those those state classes to be? Like, are they are they quite popular? Like, you're getting a lot of people coming through as the interest in in the state cook off association competitions grows. Like, are you seeing that that trend in the uh, in the SCA style competition versus, say, the the traditional low and slow competitions? Uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of, bit of both. I mean, the SCA is obviously sort of um, a good fit of just getting into the competition sort of barbecue scene. And a lot of our competitions here, our low and slow barbecue competitions, have actually got an SCA attached to them as well. So it's a good opportunity if you've got, you know, four in a team, you know, those four cooks can enter individually and, and that's how we've sort of seen the scene grow. But, you know, I mean, cooking a steak, I mean, it sort of, it sounds easy, but it's, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's reasonably hard to do. So, I mean, we, we were lucky to to win um, our golden ticket at Minkstock Melbourne in 2018. And we ended up going to, to Fort Worth for the World Champs in, in October, November of that year uh, with, with Trevor and Alan from Aussie Pit Boys and that. So, um, yeah, that was a bit of a bit of an eye-opener. We ended up... Um, uh, winning our division, if you like, they divide you into into groups of fifty. So we ended up winning ours uh, to get into the final on the Sunday. So we ended up twelfth overall on Sunday. So uh, yeah, pretty pretty happy with that. But just outside the uh, the walk the walks there. So yeah, it's, um, there was a massive Aussie contingent that year too. So it was um, yeah, good to hang out with all those boys. And it was really good. If you're looking for your next barbecue smoker or grill, Jagged Woodfired has got what you need. Owners Julianne and Glenn are multiple award-winning barbecue competitors who have even travelled to the US to compete at the World Barbecue Championships in Houston, Texas. Based out of Perth and shipping nationwide, Jagged is one of the largest pit builders in the country and has an ever-growing lineup of meat cooking machinery. Not only do they have their now famous smoker ovens, their incredibly efficient gravity-fed cabinets are proving extremely popular in commercial settings, and they also make some of the most stylish asado grills you're ever going to see. Jagged is also well known for amazingly detailed custom work ranging from backyard designs all the way to installations in commercial kitchens. Proudly Australian designed, owned and manufactured, you can find out more at jaggedwoodfired.com.au spelled J-A-G-R-D. 
Once again, head to jaggedwoodfire.com.au, spelled J-A-G-R-D, to learn more. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, welcome back, Brendan. We're now into segment two of the of the show, and I really want to sort of drill down now into the smoking meat house, your your competition team, because I I can see over your shoulder there you got a whole bunch of awards up on the shelf. So congratulations on on that. Um, I'm assuming that you're actually coming to me from the pool room here, um, as the as the expression goes. Uh, mate, tell us about the team. How how did the team get together, and and how did you sort of get started in competitions? Uh, basically, it was just all by chance. Obviously, uh, Trevor was coming over and needed a needed a hand, so Jared just sort of put out a, a call on the um, the Octo Grow page and put my hand up for that. And we actually thought would actually the, the catering side of it actually interested me more than the competition side of it. So oh, I thought really? we would just sort of get get the process sort of organised and and maybe sort of look down the the catering uh, road. But um, yeah, those those guys just yeah, they they just work way too hard. Um, so. <laughs> And obviously, when you start getting some starts getting some good results, it just sort of you know becomes like a bit of a drug. You just sort of you know you just want the next hit. So you know what's the next competition? You know, you, it just sort of evolves from there. And it's um, yeah, the competition scene's just sort of really you know taking us all over all over New Zealand. And you know we go to uh, Melbourne and Sydney uh, for the meat stops and that as well. And and obviously Texas and in twenty eighteen too. So it's um, it, 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 it's certainly a uh, Certainly been an amazing journey so far for sure. It's been a very long three years, put it that way. Yeah, well, that was what I was sort of going to get to. I mean, three years in terms of competition barbecue sort of isn't isn't a whole long time, and you've sort of gone just kapow on the on the barbecue scene. You've uh, you, you've started, and uh, I, I think you started in twenty seventeen. Was that your first competition? Yeah, yeah, late twenty seventeen. So yeah, we were um, yeah we were sort of we just starting to get sick of coming last and second to last, and we sort of started doing a bit of bit of a um, bit of investigation. So over over that Christmas, we pretty, pretty much imported a whole heap of um, um, you know injections and bits and pieces from the from the states and that. So we did a whole whole heap of um, testing over that summer, and we were it was QMU in Auckland, which was the first comp of the of the twenty eighteen season. So we were we were cooking with Aussie Pit Boys then, and, and we used all those recipes to to become reserve grand champion at that first comp. So we knew we had a had a pretty good um, uh, recipe base there, uh, just just with the and the injections and, and that that we were using. So it sort of went from there, and uh, I think Meat Stock was the next one. So that was Trevor and me were sort of going head to head there. He was Aussie Pit Boys, I was Smoky Meat House. So we managed third overall at Meat Stock Auckland. And then yeah, we went to Meat Stock um, Melbourne, uh, where I think we sort of got sixth overall there. That was when we had those gale force winds come through. I remember. It was really windy. Yeah, it was it was insane. I mean, we were we were sort of boxing up our our, our brisket, and there was just this huge gust just come through, and just everything ended up on the on the dirt. So our, our brisket and oh. was just all lying on the ground. No. Our gazebo. Our gazebo lifted up and it just came smashing down. Just the legs just just smashed off it. Um, so we were sort of you know picking up our 
you know, brisket slices and doing things off the off the ground, washing it off, uh, re-sourcing, re-doing. We just got the 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 parsley still had um oh, no, I think we had some parsley left over. Uh so we just re did a re parsley the box, put it all back in, and we ended up getting second overall or second in brisket that day. So um yeah, so I, I took a big handful of that Wellington dust, and we use it on all our rubs now. So yeah, it's got yeah. a bit of magic in it. I, I was going to ask, did you get any particular comments from judges about texture or that you know? Oh, it's got a really nice mouthfeel or anything like that. No, nah, not particularly. But um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that was the first time it happened, and we've actually got hit by a tornado with Big Boys Toys in Auckland. We were doing our brisket box at the same time. Trevor was. Um, Compete with well, me and Trevor sort of compete out of pretty much the same site, and um, he had a had this tornado come through. It just blew our gazebo away. It sort of knocked the fridge onto Trev, uh, cracked a couple of his ribs. But yeah, I mean, there was knives wow. flying. It was ridiculous. Like we had some t-shirts and merch up, and that just sort of blew over to the paddock next door. It was a it was a really bizarre chain of events. Um, it just looked like a bomb had gone off in our on our site. So, you know, here we were again picking up brisket and doing things off the ground, you know, washing <laughs> off, reviewing, sourcing. Um, there's a picture of Jared McDonald came running over because I think that handed in at that stage. He got some duct tape and duct taped our box together because our box was just pretty much smashed. <laughs> it had black, black duct tape all over it. And um, I think we ended up getting fifth overall with that on that day. I, I can't remember where Trev got, but he, he reserved he reserved that day. So and I think we got fifth. It was, um, yeah, it was certainly uh, not, not prone to disaster. But, um, you know, it's all how you sort of deal with it and come back. And, you know, you've still got to put something in the box. I mean, you know, what's, what's the alternative? You give up and go home. You know, you've got to, yeah, it's, um, yeah. Certainly, yeah. Certainly been uh, overcoming adversity, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. So that that little tornado that, um, that came through there, was that uh... – did that sort of just hit you guys, or did it did it get a whole lot of other teams there as well? Yeah, it sort of hit, hit us centrally. It seemed to follow um, the tarmac, so whether it must have been a heat thing, so we could see this thing coming, and it, it followed the tarmac, and then there was a bit of grass between the next bit of tarmac, so it came straight through us, hit the tarmac, and then followed the tarmac. So there was another team across from us, like you know, they they got you know smashed in that as well. Um, I mean, Jared was next to us. Um, and then smoke-based um, grillers were just the next site down. Yeah, they sort of got a bit of damage of that as well. Yeah, there was a, yeah, a lot of teams, a lot of damage. But, um, yeah, everybody was sort of just, just rushed them to help. And, you know, you sort of watch the videos and see the photos afterwards and that. Um, you know, the um, you know the camaraderie and that of everybody just to, you know, pitch in and, you know, make sure everybody got their box handed in. It was, um, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, that is a good thing about the barbecue scene, isn't it? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And it's good when you get to, you know, repay something back too, because, I mean, you know, it's sort of karma. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I'm I'm fascinated by the idea that you could actually see it. So it it, it wasn't just strong wind. Like, you could see it swirling and picking stuff up and, like, travelling around. We we couldn't see it, but there was a couple of videos taken of it, so you could definitely definitely see it and, you know, on on the way out. So, yeah. Oh, wow. And so did did Trev end up having to go to the hospital after that fridge fell on him? 
No, he, he, got, he got it out. I think he went to a doctor when he got back to um, to Sydney up on the coast there. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't do much about a couple of cracked ribs. I mean, you know, quieting him down for a bit, which was uh, not a bad thing. <laughs> G'day, Trev, if you're watching, by the way. <laughs> So, mate, what has been the the hardest part of your journey? So, like, what's what what's been the hardest thing for you to to master? Some challenges that you've had to overcome. Um, I think it's basically just knowing that you're on the right track, um, you know, flavour wise and texture wise, and that. I think it's just uh, knowing what the judges want and just how to how to cook it just the way that they like it. So, I think that's been the biggest challenge, and that, and that's just trial and error. I mean. Um, you know, you get a lot of sort of teams just, you know, new teams just turning up expecting to sort of do well. But I think it's just, just that experience and and just um, just knowing, you know, how to cook that meat basically and just, you know, knowing what to do if something's not going to, you know, not going to turn out the way that you want to do it. So if you've sort of got something in your mind how you want to do something and it doesn't work, well, you know, how, how can you make it work? And, you know, that's probably the biggest thing that, you know, Trevor's, you know, um, taught me, you know, how to do. So if, you, if your pool's not good, you know, well, you know, what's the other option for pork? And, you know, if, you, if your brisket's not good here, yeah, well, what else can you, you know, salvage from that brisket to, you know, to put six pieces in a box, basically. So, so, yeah. And then when you do start getting a bit of success, you know you're on the right the right track and it just gives you that confidence boost. So I think that's, that, that's been the biggest part, sort of, you know, knowing what the judges want and, you know, working backwards from there to, to mark it out, basically. Yeah, right. So in that in that process of of working out how to cook best for the judges, are you the kind of pitmaster who will make big sweeping changes? Like if, if you get smashed at a competition, do you go, that's it, we're doing something different next time? Or do you refine one small thing at a time and then try it again and then the next small thing and try it again? Yeah, it's probably just those um, those small little, you know, incremental steps. Um, I think, you know, if you, if you mainly focus on on texture, and the, the doneness of the meat, um, and you know, not so worry about the, the, the rubs and sauces and that. I mean, you can always add flavour later. Um, you know, if you, if you cook it properly, um, make sure it's nice and tender, it's done, um, and then you can, you know, you can add you can add flavour later. So you can always, you know, add more sauce if it's not looking quite right, or add less sauce, um, you know, more rub. So, um, you know, that that's the easy part really. It's, it's just really nailing that doneness and the texture. You know, concentrating on that first and foremost, I think. So, and you know, giving give yourself plenty of time. I mean, you know, I mean, we're sort of cooking our, you know, pork collar butts and briskets in four hours, but you know, still allowing a, you know, two, three, four hour rest. Because if something does go wrong, you've got a little bit of margin of error there too. So, um, you know, it's just making sure that those burnt ends are, you know, cooked properly. You know, making sure that money muscles all done. And, um, you know, just just working out your timelines and just you know giving yourself you know plenty of plenty of um, room just in case something does you know go wrong basically. Yeah, right. So it it sounds from what you've just been saying like you're quite a process oriented uh, pitmaster. So do you do you sort of plan everything out to the minute, or do you just sort of turn up and just sort of keep it all in your head and just have just sort of roll with it? Oh no, every, everything's all written down on the whiteboard. Every you know. There's probably something down every, you know, every 15 minutes, you know, to do. Because, um, I mean, cooking, cooking by yourself, you sort of, you know, do get caught up with, you know, with other things. So it's good just to, you know, take a look at the whiteboard um, and just know you're on track. Because, you know, there's little things, you, you know, you sort of, you know, your head's just swimming with, you know, 
what each protein and what stage it's up to, but just for plants and you know, if you haven't done that, you've got time to do it. And so, you know, it's very processed, but you know, I mean, uh, we sort of, you know, I'm a, I'm a tradesman, so it's, um, it's basically just like, you know, doing a job basically. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to get a job, you know, job done by, you know, the end of the week and, you know, you've just got to, just got to get it done basically. So, yeah, I like that. I'm I'm much the same way. I I like to have everything written down. I'll actually print out run sheets, um, give one copy of the run sheet to each person. It's been personalized for that person. So, you know, Tony knows at 10.05 he's got to do this and Mick knows he's got to do that. And, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a bit uh, ultra, ultra process oriented, I think. Yeah. Well, I think you sort of have to be. I mean, um, there's just too much, to, you know, you're sort of putting so much time and effort and you're away from the family, so you know if you don't, you don't turn up and you know give it your best. I mean, you sort of, you haven't sort of done yourself justice. I don't think. So it's just you know there's not too much on the, on the line now. You can sort of have fun and you know have a few beers and that with the boys and that. But um, you know, sort of getting up, you don't really want to waste all that money just by forgetting to do something at a certain time. Well, that is a big part of it too, isn't it? You don't want to sort of just uh, throw it all away. Um, cause I, I don't know about, uh, most of the people watching and listening to this, but, uh, I, I know personally, I, I can't afford to just turn up to a competition and just say, all right, well, I'm just gonna, you know, blow two grand and just sort of, yeah. you know, get drunk and forget to hand things in. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now what's been, um, what's come easy for you then? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> what's come easy, geez. I think it's all just been a hard, it's just been a hard long road basically. And I think it's easy now because we've done the hard yards, I think. Um, you know, everything is just so much easier to do now because it's been hard to do initially. You know, we've sort of done the, done the hard work to sort of, you know, to make it easy now, I suppose. I think that's the, the only way I can sort of put it. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the, probably the best way I could explain it, yeah. Okay, so it's it's kind of the the mindset, the the competition mindset has been what's come easy for you then. Yeah, I suppose so, and I think that's just just to do with you know a process driven job, I suppose. Um, you know, you've got certain stages to do to get the you know get the job done, and I think that's just exactly the same with barbecue. So you've got you know if, if you miss out one step, it's, you know the results not going to be how how you want it. So yeah, that would be the that, yeah exactly yeah. Yeah, nice one. Now you've um you've also got like this giant list of sponsors, so that's that's quite impressive because sponsorship can be can be quite hard to to come by. Did you did you pursue sponsors or did they pursue you? How did that sort of how did you manage to line up that many and do so well with it? Um, I mean, I think we sort of piggybacked on trip for a uh, for a couple of them and that, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I think a lot of it's actually using the product. I mean, we we love the product. And we used the product, and then when we started getting results, um, you know, it was just like a, a, you know, an approach to them to sort of say, hey, you know, we've been using your product, um, you know, for a long time. We love it. We've been getting these great results. Um, you know, would you would you like to jump on on board with us? Um, and 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 you know, the answer is you know more often than not being being yes. So, um, I mean, we obviously really we do really believe in the products that we that we promote now, and it, it's it's been really rewarding. Um, opening up new markets um, for those sponsors, you know, getting them into, um, you know, new markets or new opportunities for them as well. So it's it's um, it, it's been a you know it's been a fifty fifty you know partnership for sure. 
Um, I mean, we sort of, you know, run our own business in that too. So I sort of come at it from a from a business sort of point of view as well. You you want to give us as much as you you know you get really. So um, you know, we try to add as much value to the you know for our sponsors as we can. And that comes with the classes and that too. So it's a really good opportunity for the people coming to the classes to see how we use um, our sponsors' products and, and the results that we get. So it's um, it's really good to promote the, the products that way too. Yeah, nice one, man. So what do you um you you mentioned that you also run a business. Is that a barbecue business? No, definitely not. No, it's, a, it's actually a painting contracting and waterproofing business. So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, luckily being, being, being the boss, it sort of gives you a bit of time to, you know, to, to take a Friday off or the Thursday afternoon off to sort of get ready for a, for a barbecue comp. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the workshop's probably about, you know, quarter filled with barbecues and you know, charcoal <laughs> and storage for all the, the competition gear. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nice, man, nice. So you've, uh, you, you've kind of, sort of conquered the the whole uh, NZ barbecue scene. You've had great success here in Australia. You've been all the way to Texas to go compete at the world's uh, championships for the SCA over there. What do you got planned for the future? Sort of where do you go from here? Um, well, we'd really like to sort of yeah, nail and get some good results in, in, in Australia. So um, pretty fortunate that my brother-in-law lives in, in Melbourne. He's got a place in St Kilda and he's got a workshop down in Caram Downs. Um, so he, he's got our comp kit over there, basically. So we've got a whole whole set of, of comp gear, basically, at his workshop. Uh, we shipped a, an octopit over there in 2018, um, and, it's, and it's obviously just sitting in his workshop. So we're getting a multi-queue shipped over um, this, this winter, I think. So if, um, if Meatstop Melbourne goes ahead in November and we're allowed to uh, travel quarantine free, we'll, we'll be there. Um, yeah, we just want to get some good results in, a, in, in Australia now. So, um, you know, we just love cooking with those guys. You know, we've got some great friends over there. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a great, you know, great scene to be part of. And it's just that, just that next step, I think. Um, and I think we've just got to get a lot, lot, lot more better and, you know, before we head to the States. And that, so that's obviously the, the end, end result. But I sort of don't want to just turn up there just to compete and, and get the experience. I you know, want to go over there and, you know, do really well and you know hopefully get some results and you know australia is just the next step so i think it's just the the guys over there are just the you know the next level you know um you know we're good friends with you know michael from butcher's x and you know Jai and dan barrett and lucas and, and shane and that and and dane down there and those guys are just awesome cooks and just to you know compete against them and and you know do well against them you know that's you know that's a big part yeah i think everyone that you just named there are my uh how would you phrase it? Barbecue cook idols? Like I want to be able to cook like them? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Well, it's great when they come over, you know, to NZ as well. I mean, you know, we're cooking next to the Jai and, and Dan at Minkstop Auckland and, you know, just to, you know, just to you know, chat about stuff across the, you know, the table and that and just pick their brains and just, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's really cool. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Alrighty, so now it's lesson time. So today you're going to share with us some uh, some tips and techniques for hot and fast smoking. Now I'm really fascinated with this because um, I really love the idea of uh, being able to shorten the amount of time that I'm spending over the fire while still 
getting that that delicious smoky barbecue taste. So I'm going to sort of just throw it over to you. I'm going to stay quiet. And, uh, yeah, you can share some wisdom with us all. Um, I think basically, you know, cooking hot and fast basically changed, you know, changed everything for us. Um, you know, being able to cook a, a brisket and a pork collar in four hours is, is just, um, you know, it's great to do at home as well. Um, you've sort of got to be a bit more, bit more careful with it. Um, 300 is obviously the, the temperature we, we prefer to, to cook at. But you're just sort of basically putting, putting the meat on at 300, uh, maybe wrapping it after an hour, hour and a half. Just you know, waiting for that rub to set. So if you can put your finger on the meat and the, the rub doesn't come off, uh, and it's got a, a, a nice colour on it, uh, you know, wrap it. Uh, put a bit more liquid in it than what you'd normally uh, put in it, just to sort of save that bottom from from burning if it does get a bit too hot. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just so much easier at home, you know, especially if you are, you know, banking on a you know seven o'clock dinner. You know, you can sort of start. You know, after lunch, you know, instead of having to get up early in the morning to um, to do it. So especially cooking direct as well. I mean, if you're cooking on a drum or a, a multi-fuel or, or something like that, you get those, you get all that fat dripping down onto that coals, and it just adds another flavour profile to your meat. You get that vaporisation, um, you know, happening on your meat. So we we're not even spritzing our, our meat anymore because of that. It's just uh, the moisture that just stays in the chamber of the of the multi-fuel. Um, there's no need to sort of spritz anymore. So, and just getting that, obviously with the fat side down on a brisket, um, you get all that heat hitting that fat, and you, we don't trim it off. We just wait for it to go a nice sort of a golden brown, crispy colour, and then we uh, wrap it in there basically. And, and just eating that sort of that crispy fat on the on the bottom of the of a brisket is just uh, yeah, beautiful. Delicious stuff, yeah. No doubt about that at all. So when when it does come to the four hour brisket, then I I take it that it it really comes down to um sort of really understanding your process and understanding exactly exactly at what particular minute you need to do stuff. Yeah, well, it's, yeah there's a little bit of forgiveness there too. I mean, you've just got to keep an eye on it sort of every, every half an hour or so. So we we put the brisket on um, after an hour, we would check it, and if it's if, if the bark's you know, if the bark's set and it's the colour that we want, uh, we'll just wrap it uh, with, a, with probably about half a litre of beef stock in the in the um, in the foil. Uh, wrap it back up. Uh, we put the put the fireboard probe in it, and we'll just keep an eye on that. So once that sort of starts getting up to about the two hundred mark, we we'll sort of unwrap it and just start probing it from there. And we'll just sort of probe it every sort of quarter of an hour, twenty minutes, um, and then when it just sort of starts getting pretty pretty tender all over. Um, we tend to cook a little bit. The, the, the internal temperature of the of the meat sort of gets a bit higher, so we're probably you know taking it off at about two ten, two twelve. So you get, you do go a little bit little bit higher, and that's what the internal internal temperature of the meat. Why do you need to do that? Um, it's just when it's soft. Basically, we're just cooking it for tenderness, and that's just when the, when it's when it's probing soft. And it's you know it's probing consistently, sort of soft all over that flat. We just uh, take it back off again. I'm sure there's some sort of scientific explanation for it, but um, yeah, we just sort of just, just look for that temperature and just start probing it for the tenderness after that, basically. So, um, I mean, it's just all about practicing too, you know, just 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 keep doing it and doing it until you sort of get it right and just sort of become sort of second nature after a while. And just looking at the looking at the color of the smoke coming off the off the multi fuel and that too. Um, so soon it starts getting a little bit of a 
little bit of a blue tinge to it. You sort of know that that fat's sort of starting to, to, you know, starting to char up a bit on the bottom of it. I'm just, you know, keeping it, you know, smelling it too. You can sort of smell it in the smoke. You can just smell that starting to char a bit. So we sort of know it's starting to get into, you know, the wrapping stage by then too. Yeah, right. That was one of the things that, that, that I wanted to ask was, um, you know, we, we keep trying to say, you know, the, the thin blue smoke and you want to keep that smoke clean and you want that nice flavour. If the fat is dripping down and hitting the charcoal and you're saying that that adds to the flavour, wouldn't that be like almost a bit too close to like a bitter burning smell? Uh, no, it doesn't actually. Um, I imagine if you let it go a little bit too far, you know, that, that would happen. But no, that doesn't tend to. I think um, probably because the coals aren't that aren't that hot at the bottom. There's quite a bit of space between the coals and the and the tray that the meat's on. So um, no, we haven't haven't experienced that yet. And we have uh, overdone some some ribs at home on it. And we you know that, that'll be the only time you get that burnt um, flavour on your meat is if you actually burn the meat yourself rather than the, the you know the taste of the burning fat coming back up. So, um, I think once once it hits, I think it pretty much evaporates. I think that fat would just evaporate anyway because when we lift the um, the firebox out, there's no fat or anything in the in the bottom of the chamber. It's just all ash. So I think once it hits the charcoal, it just I think it just um, just disappears basically. Just evaporates. Self cleaning. I can dig that. Self cleaning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have to leave more fat on the brisket than you otherwise would if you're doing it uh, hot and fast versus a like a two twenty five twelve hour cook? Uh, yeah, we, we try and leave about five mil on the bottom of it um, and just a nice consistent layer. Um, not too many, you know, the, the depth of it, you know, we try and keep a nice, nice even layer. Um, but I mean, you know, sometimes it's hard to sort of do that with, with depending on how the brisket has been processed and that. So, um, you know, you've just got to, you've, you've just got to keep an eye on it. But I mean, I think the, the, the fat content of those, um, you know, the Carrara uh, briskets is, is, you know, pretty, you know, pretty forgiving as well. Um, you can sort of almost overdo them, and they still, you know, the the integrity of the of the of the product just, you know, it just keeps itself all together. So it, it doesn't fall apart or go mushy if you do overdo it. So okay, I think that's a big big factor as well. I think that you know the higher quality meat that you cook, the more forgiving that it would be. Um, you know, if you had a grass fed brisket, I mentioned your margin for error um, would be a lot lot lower. So. I mean, we don't sort of cook briskets every day. I mean, most of the briskets we do are at comps now. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's probably the process that we do. We sort of don't do too many, many home, you know, home, home cooked briskets. Yeah, right. I can certainly understand that. Yeah. Now, you mentioned, you also mentioned a four-hour uh, pork butt. Is there is there much of a difference in the process between doing a four-hour brisket and a four-hour pork butt? Uh, not really. No, they go they go on at the same time, and it's just. It's, just how it's developed, basically. I mean, I can almost time it to the minute that it's going to be, you know, four hours. So if I probe it at, at you know, three thirty, it's it's still, you know, still a bit to go. Probe it at the four hour mark, and it's just it's just butter. So we just yeah, take it off and and rest it in the camera. It's just um, it's, it's just seemed to have been an evolved um, it's just the way that it's happened. So um, you know, we're sort of cooking about two and a half kilo um, you know, pork collar butts. Oh, um, okay. So yeah, they've got no no bone in them or, or anything like that. So um, yeah, it's, it's just just how it's evolved and it's just yeah, sort of just the way it's happened and it's just the way we run with it. And you know we've had you know great pork stores, so you know lots of lots of three hundreds and that. So not gonna not gonna change anything. 
<laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Is the um is the resting process different when you're doing a, a hot and fast cook? Um, I haven't really noticed it. Um, I mean, we do we do rest it for a, you know a good hour or two. Um, anyway, and I think that's just mainly just to let the let the fat sort of settle down a bit because I mean basically the fat's you know boiling on the inside there, so I think you've just got to let that you know settle down a bit um, and just let the meat sort of you know just relax a bit and just you know take the you know stop the cooking process for a start and you know just let it rest and just sort of you know get back to the, you know a, a stabilised temperature I think, but you know we'll, we'll sort of cut it up pretty much you know straight away with a half hour rest and. There hasn't been a lot of lot of difference between a short rest and a long rest. Um, you know, put it that way, I haven't really noticed a lot of absorption, you know, back up of the liquid or anything like that. Um, and I think that's basically just come down to the, you know, the quality of the meat that we're using. So I think a, a grass-fed brisket, um, the, a long rest would, would suit that better because it could just, you know, reabsorb a lot of that, that moisture back up too. Um, and end up with a better, better result at the end of the day too. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, alrighty, cool. So I'm going to uh, bring up a question here, and it has come to us from Brian Jarvis over in Atlanta, Georgia. So he would like to know what is your favorite category at competitions. Oh, I would say it has to be brisket. I mean, we just love, love, love cooking beef, love cooking brisket. Um, it's just one of those. Yeah, it's just one of those polarizing you know proteins i think i think that's why you sort of get into barbecue you know just to cook a brisket i think that's what everybody's goal is to is to cook a brisket when they first get into barbecue and um after a few goes you, you finally nail one and i think yeah, i think it's one of the one of the best feelings i think you can get and just to you know see the look on people's faces when they you know when they're tasting that brisket for the you know for the first time and it's just um yeah it's, it's magic yeah, no doubt about that at all, mate. It's uh, it, it's my personal favourite as well. All right, well, this is probably a good point now for us to start wrapping up this uh, this episode of the show. So I'm going to throw the studio over to you now. Give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout-outs, and tell everybody where they can follow you on the social medias. Uh, well, you can find us, uh, The Smoking Meat House. Um, I think we're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, just like to thank our sponsors, uh, Fireboard and uh, QQ. Uh, great temperature controlled devices, uh, Char Griller Australia, uh, Kingsford, uh, Barbecue Butcher, great suppliers of Carrara, Wagyu and Ebony, Heavenly Health, uh, look out for that biggest dust coming out around NZ weekend, uh, Holy Shirt, um, based in, based in uh, Melbourne, they're great sort of clothing, clothing supplies for barbecue teams. And just like to thank uh, Jared McDonald, uh, Trevor and Matt Flanagan, uh, Luke Sini over here in New Zealand, um, Jack Daniels, New Zealand. They run all the New Zealand Barbecue Alliance um, competitions and that over here. And just all the judges and, and volunteers for the, for the competition saying, you know, we couldn't do it without you guys. So good, man. That's beautiful. All right, well, I just want to say thank you very much for coming on board the show. It's a uh, it's a Saturday afternoon for you, so I'm sure you've got lots of uh, different lawn mowing and uh, uh, four-hour briskets and things that you'd uh, – that you need to go do. So I'm going to say thanks very much for coming on board the show and I look forward to seeing you again in the future and wish you the best of luck. Joel, thanks very much, Ben. Thanks for having us. And there you have it, family. That was Brendan from the Smoking Meat House. How interesting was that to get uh, to get the lay of the land of the competition scene over in New Zealand there? He has come a long, long way in a real short time. So just to sort of give you an idea there, just to recap, 
he started competing in 2017 and by the end of 2018, I think he said it was, he was competing over in Texas at the, uh, at, at the world championships. So that's a, that's a monumental achievement. That's huge. And he did say that he's now setting his sights on Australia. So he's, uh, he's obviously a bit tired of the Australian teams heading over and stealing points. So, so he's going to come over here and he's going to do it back to us. So that's going to be awesome to see that in this year, 2021. So, all right, before I let you go, just a quick reminder of our announcements. Big thank you to Jagged Woodfired for jumping on board as our podcast partner for this episode. Um, great smokers, great people. Check them out, jaggedwoodfired.com.au. Uh, next, winter is coming. Hoodies, beanies uh, over on smokingonconfessions.com slash shop. Beautiful gear, beautifully printed, beautifully stitched, um, all by Gold Coast businesses here. So you'll be supporting some local family businesses there as well. Um, Barbicon is coming in June, June 26, 27. It's the world's first online barbecue conference. We're going to be jumping into the backyards of different pitmasters and barbecue businesses around the country and beaming them straight into your lounge room. So that's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be a world first and we're really looking forward to that. So make sure you keep that weekend free so you can be a part of that. And there is the ebook available for you if you're new to barbecue over on smokinghotconfessions.com, the beginner's guide to real barbecue. And we have the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community. So if you'd like to be a part of these live recordings, if you'd like to share these comments and these questions for our guests, make sure you head on over to the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community on Facebook. Join our group so you can be part of these awesome recording sessions. And last of all, if you are um, you know, watching or listening to this afterwards, do give us all the likes and the shares and the thumbs up and the love hearts and the comments and the, you know what I'm talking about, you know what to do. So if you could help us out, that would really be uh, very helpful for us. It helps push us up the charts. And as I said at the top, we have been as high as number six in the US uh, podcast charts for food, which is a huge achievement. And that all comes down to you guys do, giving us those five-star ratings and reviews. So thank you very much for doing that. It really does help us out a lot. And now that is all the time we do have for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs> <laughs>